Welcome to The Breadwinners, the podcast about the never-ending hustle and its impact on all aspects of our lives. From our financial life, to our relationships, to our kids, to our health, we're interested in what it takes to keep everything going. This podcast is about working, money, and family, and in every episode, we consider the research and share our takes on what we're learning every day about breadwinning. I'm Rachel Ellison. I'm an executive coach and management consultant who works with companies big and small to design workplace policies that work for all employees. And most days, I'm joined by my co-host, Jennifer Owens. But on this special episode of The Breadwinners, I'm joined by Stephanie Huckle and Ethan Huckle. They are partners in life and in their business, Huckle Inclusive, a diversity and inclusion consulting firm with advanced expertise in LGBTQ inclusion, strategic planning, curriculum development, facilitation. They're also parents to five-year-old Wesley. Stephanie works full-time on diversity inclusion at a a global company, Uh, and Ethan is full-time at home with their son. Welcome, Stephanie and Ethan. Thank you. (laughs) It's great to have you guys. Um, So... So in at the breadwinners, we often like to to tie stats into our conversation. In our first episode, we talked a lot about this question of choice versus chance breadwinners. Um, mainly, you know, who planned to be the breadwinner, who planned how the career, the balance of career and home life would would play out, and who, you know, just sort of fell into it. Um, and Jennifer led a survey of breadwinning moms back at when she was at Working Mother uh, Research Institute. And she found that 72% of the moms that she surveyed fell into the role by chance. I fell into the role by chance. And so when I posted something about this episode, um, the first episode that we did, Stephanie, I remember on Facebook, you said, oh, are we absolutely 100% made our choice about breadwinners deliberately and conceptually, um, collaboratively. So that, that was really interesting to me. So I wanted to, to hear more about how the two of you came to that decision. And so, so fill us in a little bit more. Yeah. Well, it was, it was interesting for me to hear that, you know, it was not wholly surprising, but the number of breadwinners by choice among moms felt pretty low. Um, And so I guess I'm in the minority there because we really did have a a purposeful, thoughtful, uh, I would say conversation, but probably more accurately series of conversations about what our life would look like. And those were conversations that we had when I was pregnant and Mm -hmm. we were trying to plan out what does our expanded family look like? Yeah, and I think um, a lot of factors went into that. So one was simply financial. Stephanie's career was one, um, is one that, uh, in which taking a significant period of time away would have impacted her long-range goals um, much more than mine because I was a uh, high school teacher. Um, and so it was easier to imagine stepping back from that than it would be sort of her career path. And then another piece of it was simply who felt most interested in being home and who felt like it fit best into their, um, their personal skill set. And that was me, which, uh, 
sort of does fly in the face of some of our traditional goal, um, uh, messaging around gender roles, but it was definite, it's definitely a job that fits my um, personality a bit better. Sure. <laughs> so, you know, working in diversity and inclusion and being thoughtful about the opportunities that women have in the workplace and what their tr- career trajectory looks like and various disparities that exist, both in representation at higher levels of companies and in terms of income, there is often the uh, I say de- I'm going to say desire to look at it and say, well, that woman stepped away, or all these women, they stepped away from the workplace as they were building their families, and how could that not impact uh, their career trajectory or their income long term? Because in that period of time that they stepped away, they may have been getting promotion and raise on top of promotion and raise. And when they come back, they're not going to automatically jump up the number of levels that they would have progressed through. And my career has been a pretty steady incline. And in terms of the long-term financial impact to our family and to my career development, it that was not a decision that I was willing to make. So when you started these conversations, you said, Stephanie, you were pregnant. Who did you come to the point where you sort of initiated together? Like, let's have this talk. Or did one of you feel more inclined to start the conversation than the other? I don't have a clear memory of this. Do you? Well, we actually, I think, had this conversation before Stephanie got pregnant. Because it was part of the conversation of what does it look like for the two of us to parent somebody? Um, and what are we, you know, what, what are we doing? What do we, what do we want that to be? And is that a, you know, is that a step we want to take? So we were, I think that um, in some ways, that's the luck of just not having it be a surprise that we sort of walked into things with our eyes open, knowing what we had in mind. Um but then that conversation has been one that continued, has continued from then until now, which is that we keep having this conversation about does this system that we've created for our family, does it still work for everybody? Does everyone feel um, supported and uh, fulfilled and um, just happy with the design of that we've created. Um, and I think that's been really helpful for us is that we're continually shaping the, um, the roles and responsibilities of our family based on what we need. Right. There's so much in there about the inter, um, how intentional we work to be. Right. And so as you say that, I recall back to way before, I was pregnant when we were having the conversation about, are we going to be a couple that has a child or children? What does that even look like for us? Is that something that we want to do? And, you know, wrapped up in all of this too, because it's also intertwined is, you know, my own uh, perceptions at the time about what I would be like as a parent and knowing that that was certainly not something I wanted to do on my own. 
and knowing that I only wanted to do that with somebody, if I was going to do that with somebody, it was only going to be with somebody who I knew was going to be an amazing parent. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Sounds like you really know each other's strengths. And as you were having this conversation um, or a series of conversations, you were really thinking concretely about what could we each add in the different spheres or what are we bringing to these two different jobs, so to speak, or these roles um, and how, how can that move our collective family forward? Mm-hmm. Um, so how does this, so you, these conversations started when you were pregnant, Stephanie, and you now have a five-year-old. So what does it look like? You know, what does the day-to-day look like for you and how, how do you feel this has influenced Wesley? Um, well, we have a five-year-old. <laughs> I, know that goes fast. I mean, everyone says that and it's true. Yeah. Um, the days are long and the years are short. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I work, um, I don't know, at least 40, 50 some odd hours a week at my full-time job. Um, and I also sit on a couple of nonprofit boards and then we have our Huckle Inclusive work. Mm-hmm. So things are busy for sure. I mean, you're catching us at a funny time because it's this pandemic has really changed a lot of our day to day. And Stephanie's now right. working out of the house, which is obviously um, a shift for us. But for the longest time, Wesley has considered, you know, m- mommy goes to work. And he thinks of that as uh, usually, I think, being at a computer because that's how he sees her working mm-hmm. at when she's at home. And when he's been in her office, he knows her computer's there. Um, that's very exciting to him. He likes the computer. Um, and yeah, his, it's funny, his perception, I think, has really, we, we've made a lot of conscious choices in his life around making sure that he has examples of women um, doing all sorts of work because we want, we're, you know, we're pretty thoughtful about the idea that if he does not see that, he'll get all of those um, those ideas about uh, traditional gender roles. He'll start to pick those up, whether that's our intention or not, and that we have to be intentionally showing him something different. So, you know, his doctor is a woman, his dentist is a woman, you know, like he is, he sees that everywhere. Um, And that's been something that we really did purposefully, but we, I didn't really anticipate how that would, um, how he would internalize that. And one day I asked him um, what he wanted to be when he grew up. And he told me he wanted to be a mommy. And so, you know, I'm also really open to a lot of gender expression and, and um, gender identities. And so I thought like, okay, I have to, you know, make sure I answer this and, and respond to this in a way that's really accepting. So I was like, oh, okay, you know, what what is it about a mommy that you, why do you want to be a mommy? And and he told me he wants to be a mommy because he wants to go to work. And that's what mommies do. And I thought, oh, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> you know, he'll get he'll get a plenty of other messages throughout his life, but he's really internalized that, you know, women do a lot of the work, right? <laughs> so I'm glad that's been his, that's that's awesome. been his perception. Yep. So I've heard that story a few times now and it, it makes me really emotional every time mm-hmm. I hear it. Um, obviously I wasn't there for it when the conversation happened. Um, I was working um, and there's, 
the piece about, you know, I've, I've always worked. I've worked since Wesley was three months old and I travel a lot for my job. Um, I am gone about a week out of every month. Well, before pandemic. Um, and so, you know, as much as I try not to internalize the mom guilt that society encourages, um, you know, I still have the questions about, am I, am I home enough? Am I spending enough time with my family? Is that quality time? Am I too distracted by work? Am I, you know, all this stuff. And so to hear the story about Wesley's desire to go to work like me means that I'm creating the strong image of women and what women are and can be um, for him. And in a world where kids don't get that message as often as they should, no matter how hard we try sometimes, um, it feels good, warms my heart. As you were you were talking about that, I was thinking about how many of us <clears throat> really struggle, um, you know, with mom guilt, with gender roles overall. Um, you know how 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 work is split, both on in the professional world, um, in the home front. How have you both been able to manage those, you know, to to address and manage those questions about kind of traditional roles? Um, Do you ever feel conflicted about it? Well, you know, one of the things uh, that helps with that, I think, is that we're queer folks. And so people sort of expect, don't expect the everyday from us all the time. We've made decisions that folks um, aren't always expecting. So as an example, Ethan took my last name um, and Wesley has my last name and uh, which is our collective last name. And that is not the last name that I was given at birth. That is um, my mom's maiden name. And huh. so, you know, I've made this series, you know, different series of choices and, and lived my lives, my life in a way that folks are sometimes like, oh, well, that's not the norm, but all right, it's working for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, our community is pretty gender expansive. So I think in terms of the messages that Wesley has received, he has seen all sorts of people living all sorts of lives. And we have continually told him, you know, that's just a part of life, right? It's just been his reality. Um, so for him and our parenting, I think within our home, there's that's just the norm of our world. Um, there are definitely there are definitely outside um, influences, or there's or outside. Um, I, I don't know if it's really pressure, but it's that the response from people who are sort of outside of our circle that when they encounter us might have responses. Um, certainly, like when I go out with Wesley, more so when he was a baby, I was very often given advice from strangers that quite frankly did not need um an example being that one one day in a on it was a september day and somebody chased me down in the parking lot to tell me that my small uh child needed a hat or would need a hat when winter came 
<laughs> okay. So it's interesting, you know, I, and that's okay. I mean, I just, it's not, that's not really harmful to me, but I've been, I being out in the world as a, as a, uh, at home dad is really interesting to watch. I mean, it's just people don't, people give you a lot of credit for things that they never give mothers credit for simply just existing. Oh my goodness. How amazing of you for being with your child. Um, but also think that, you know, there is a, there is some messaging around, um, fathers being sort of inept. Um, and I don't say that because I take it Personally, I don't, but I think that it creates a message for kids too. And it, it kind of perpetuates the same message that if you, if we kind of joke about this idea that fathers don't know what they're doing, then it perpetuates this idea that it's not the work fathers should be doing. Um, and so I, I've been more of a, an observer of that than I don't, I don't know that it's made me make any different decisions. Um, except for kind of reinforcing the, what we've already said is that we need to make sure that we give Wesley the messages that are different, that are counter to that. Um, but they're certainly there. And I know a lot of people do, do feel that pressure coming, not, you know, maybe they don't have the same support network that we happen to have of, um, people who have very specifically, uh, live lives that are outside of what is maybe typical, um, I am also, I have some, uh, at home dad Facebook groups that I am a part of that are helpful support. And I see a wide range of fathers in there, uh, and they'll talk about their experience and get support from one another. And so that's really helpful because it's not something that we, uh, you know, there's a lot of jokes about the Mr. Mom kind of, you know, setup and, and a lot of people who really don't know how that works because they've just they grew up with something very different. Yeah, and I also have a um, a mom's group on Facebook that um, a f- close friend invited me into, and it's there was an article uh, that went around a couple of years ago that's like the secret Facebook group that's amazing, and I'm not going to invite you to because it's too good. <laughs> like <laughs> it's like everyone's super supportive of each other. There are a lot of different lived experiences in there. Um, people look for support. Nobody's catty or judgy um, or thinks that there's a single cure-all for everything. Um, and that that support space is also really nice. That's, that's awesome. I think those are really, really hard to find. Um, so when you find them, you got to hold on to them. I guess you got to protect them in secret. (laughs) Don't include anybody who can't, who can't be on the same, on the same page, which totally makes sense. Do you, I'm assuming that you are seeing, you know, that Wesley encounters even just in, you know, not, not really thinking about necessarily people in his life who reinforce, you know, different types of gender stereotypes, but even in the media or, you know, in if he watches a movie where he's seeing or reads a book that kind of reinforces that. How do you address that with him? Do you mm. point that out to him? Um, or is that just sort of part part of what he's seeing in the world and you let him see those um, images as well and those models as well as the one that you that you ascribe to? We always, we have conversations about them. Um, if, I mean, usually we're watching things with him, but not always. We're not there hundred percent of the time, but when we're there, we know about it. We try to have a conversation about it. Um, so 
Paw Patrol. He got really into Paw Patrol at the end of last year. And so we asked him questions about where, why are there so many boy dogs and no girl dogs? And are there any dogs that are non-binary? There are two girl dogs, to be fair, but it's a very small percentage of the dog population. So. And one of, right, one of them is a helicopter and the other one is like ice oriented. That's yes, all I remember. Yeah. <laughs> right. But only one of them for a long time, we were just watching the original set of shows. And so it was like one out of six dogs was a girl. Right. And so I was like, well, we were, we were both like, well, where are the other girl dogs? Why don't they know girl dogs? And are there any non-binary dogs? Now he has, I think at some point decided that one of the boy dogs was a girl dog and we were, um, we were fine with that. We went with it. We used female pronouns for that dog. Oh yes. He picked the pronouns. (laughs) Okay. That's great. (laughs) So one more, one more question for you guys. Um, one of the things that plays out differently depending on how, um, you know, how work and life responsibilities are, or how child caregiving, I should say, and professional responsibilities are split. Um, but there's a lot of research looking at um, how domestic responsibilities are, are split and what that says about partnerships um, between people. And so I was thinking about the casinos who we had on. I interviewed a few um a few episodes ago, a few special episodes ago where they were talking about um, each of them has done a bunch of research into um, into gender roles as they play out on the domestic front or in terms of the work at home. Um, and they were talking about how, you know, after the 2008 recession, how um, how cooking became something that was, quote, you know, socially uh, it became a kind of acceptable manifestation of masculinity in the home. Uh, men became, you know, in, according to their research, more and more men became comfortable with cooking um, after, you know, many of them, um, after there was this this recession and many lost their jobs. It was this, um, it was this sense that, that they, that cooking was acceptable and that was sort of a rise of, of foodie culture. Um, and that's something that they, point you directly in their in their research. But I'm wondering for the two of you, um, you clearly have have divided work and caregiving responsibilities very clearly. What about housework in the home? Um I'm not sure we talk about it as directly. Um and a a lot of it I don't know. I don't know, just ends up in sort of a natural flow and natural divide really I mean because Ethan's home so much more than I am and because I um, because I travel there's so much that he does and so little that I do on the home front Um, well you know I mean I guess when I say that I'm thinking about sort of the cooking and cleaning stuff but there's I know you all have talked about before the the invisible stuff like I still make the appointments and I call mm-hmm. the doctors and I schedule the things and I order the things and um right the emotional labor is- I think that a lot of this comes down to again this like when we we I think we're pretty thoughtful of each other's strengths um mm-hmm. so you know Stephanie is far more organized than I am and mm-hmm. so it is very helpful for her to organize when there's appointments and what bills mm-hmm. need to be paid um I 
do pretty much all of the cooking. Mm-hmm. And um, I think we do a pretty fair div- division, not not. 50-50, I do more of the cleaning because I'm because I'm home and available to do it more often. But when we're both home, we sort of split that um, in a way that I think works for both of us. Um, but it really has to do with our strengths. And it goes back to that first conversation that we talked about, how we're constantly having this conversation about the, the roles in our family and how we feel supported. Um, and so that isn't necessarily specifically about you know, who's cleaning the floors. Um, but it's about how we divide our time and whether we feel like we have, um, time to with each other and, uh, supported individually and all of that stuff that makes you feel like, you know, a whole person that's supported and, and, and healthy. Um, and so I think that we do a pretty good job. I, you know, we've just really worked on communication, which I know personally was not, when I was a young person, I had built, I think a lot of people are in this, um, this camp where you maybe have some unhealthy, uh, relationship dynamics based on, you know, an inability to communicate. And that was kind of my, my, you know, young adulthood where, you know, you navigate that and recognize what does not work. Um, and Stephanie and I met at both a point in our lives where I think we were ready to have a different kind of dynamic in our relationship. And so we've been really thoughtful about communicating with each other. Um, it's not always easy, right? We're still humans. We still have to get through all of the stuff that's, um, that's human, but we, we are really, um, focus on trying to be honest and open with each other and give space to communicate. So we can, you know, address things that don't work. Um, and, you know, a lot of the time around this kind of labor, so much of it is so many people, I think, make assumptions about what their partner should be doing. Um, and a lot of that is based on, you know, those traditional gender roles. Um, I like to do, I like to take care of the yards and, you know, I, so I mow the grass. That's great. I don't mind that. That's a great thing. But, and that falls in line with traditional gender roles. I also, like to wash the floors. I mean, that's not, you know, so, but we need Mm -hmm. to communicate well with each other and figure out that we're doing the things that make us feel good. Um, and that we're working Mm -hmm. together to fill in the gaps where, you know, nobody wants to do some of the stuff. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I really walked into this relationship going, well, I'm going to be me and I'm going to be really clear about who I am. And if that works for this relationship and this person, then it does. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. Mm. And I was really straightforward. (laughs) And, you know, and that even came to things like, don't expect me to come home and cook something every day because that's not who I am. It's not what I do. You know, and I'd have a quesadilla every night if that were the case. (laughs) I like quesadillas, but that's pretty much the only thing Stephanie wants to make. (laughs) Well, it sounds, it sounds like you've really been so intentional and thoughtful and really listened to each other around this, which is, you know, which is something that uh, the research shows is, you know, is, is so impactful. The fact that you've been able to communicate about it, that you feel the expectations are clear. Um, you know, one, there's an article in the New York Times from, I think it was two. It wasn't too long ago. I think it was right before the pandemic. Um, and it was how to make your marriage gayer. Um, and talking about, you know, how 
how different, you know, gender, gender dynamics play out within the, within relationships around kind of expected roles, how, um, and how, you know, what kind of, where, where do arguments come up and where do they not come up and where do people feel really heard and understood? And it sounds like you have really, um, you really spend a lot of time and been very intentional and there's a lot that many of us can learn from that. So I want to thank you so much for joining us today and thank you to our listeners for joining us as well on the breadwinners, whether you're a chance or a choice breadwinner, we hope you've enjoyed the time we spent with us and that you'll share your own story at the breadwinnerspodcast.com. How are you making it work? We'd love to know. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast and to rate and review it. Let us know what you think about the breadwinners. Help us tell the stories that mean the most to you. And until next week, keep hustling. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.